This Bible teaching comes to you from the Apostolic Church All Nation Centre in Kennington, London. Here now is Pastor Victor Jibuke with the Word of God. Thank you so much for uh, the events leaders for inviting me to uh, share a word today. It's quite a privilege and an honor to be, to be here. When I was told that I was going to speak on the subject, Men of Wisdom, I thought, hang on a minute, you've chosen the most foolish man in the room to talk about wisdom. And then I remembered the word um, in First Corinthians when Paul says that God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And I thought, okay, maybe, maybe I might be able to say something uh, because it's in God's word. So um, if you're feeling foolish today, just be confident, like me, be confident that um, God has chosen you. Amen. Everyone of us know that God has chosen us. Amen. God has chosen us to confound and to shame the wise. And I said that no one can glory, nobody can boast. Um, Christ is the wisdom of God. So if I have Christ, I have everything I need. I have wisdom. Amen. Amen. If we have Christ, we have wisdom. So it's a privilege to talk about wisdom uh, today. And today I just want to speak on the key principles of how to make wise decisions. Wisdom is seen in how we live our lives. And I'm going to talk about the key principles. The thing about these principles is that they're so simple that every one of us can practice them and we have practiced them. But my worry is that they're so simple that we could just easily say, this is too simple. It can't be this. It must be more complicated to be a man of wisdom. But it isn't. These are simple biblical principles that we can um, we can all use. Um, so are you ready for them? Are you ready to hear what God's got to say to us? Yeah. I know you're ready. I can see you're ready. I'm just worried about the man uh, next to you, the one on your right. They don't seem ready. I think you're ready. They don't, they don't seem ready. Ask them. 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 Ask and, uh, but there is still a lot of the year left. And there are expectations. You have expectations. I have expectations. There are callings. There are promises that God has made for us as a church, as a body, as individuals, as families. And we want to see them come to pass. But we need to walk in wisdom in order for those things to come to pass. Um, in, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, um, uh, uh, the writer says, The beginning of wisdom is this. Though it cost you all you have. Yeah. In other words, it's so important that, you know, it doesn't matter how much it costs, you need it. The wisdom is the principal thing. But why is he saying it's so important? Well, wisdom secures our future. The plans, the purposes, the things that we have in store, it's wisdom that's going to make it happen. In um, Proverbs 24 verse 14, says, I want you to know that wisdom is like honey for you. If you find it, there is hope for you tomorrow. So your hope will not be cut off. So the expectations are, your expectations will not be cut off. And we pray that prayer and we speak to each other, your expectations will not be cut off. But bear in mind that what it says here, 
that if you find wisdom, then your hope will not be cut off. Your expectations will not be cut off. So our hope is secure. Our future is secure. The future of our families, those who depend on us, they will flourish as we walk in wisdom. Your hope will not be cut off in Jesus' name. Wisdom protects our land. What is the point of having so much when we haven't got life to live, to, to, to enjoy? What is the point? Uh, the Bible says, what is it of profit any man if he gains the whole world and loses his life? But the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 12, that wisdom and money can get you almost anything, but only wisdom can save your life. So it's in wisdom, in walking in wisdom, in making wise decisions, that our life is saved. Why? Because we're living in Christ, who is the wisdom of God, and we're walking with him. And that means we not only have physical life, which God guarantees, with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation, but we also have spiritual life, active, living life in God. Because we're walking in wisdom. So wisdom is so important that I'm so glad and excited that we're talking about this. It's crucial for my life. It's crucial for your life, for our families, for our church, for the ministries, for the things that God wants to do in our lives, in the future. We need to walk in wisdom. And so, I said, we're going to talk about what is the key, what are the keys to making wise decisions. And I want us to just share some clear biblical principles for making uh, the right decisions. And these are applicable to our finances, to our marriage, to our jobs, to our careers, to our children, ministry, whatever. We can apply these principles anywhere. And these are principles that are, it's like a common sense, but actually common sense is not common as we know. So let's look at them. But they're biblical and we can go through them very quickly. So the first thing uh, principle that I want to talk about is pray for guidance. Pray for guidance. The Bible tells us that if you lack wisdom, you should ask of God, and He will give you wisdom. Before you do anything, ask for God's perspective. The Bible says a man is a fool that trusts himself. Have you ever made a foolish decision? We need something better than always to go with just how we feel. I feel like doing this. This is how what I believe. Or this is my intuition. This is a God feeling. We need absolute wisdom from God. We need God's perspective, God's mind on the things that affect us, the things that affect our families, the things that affect our jobs. We need to hear God speak into our lives. The Bible says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, who gain understanding. How do we receive God's wisdom? Well, we receive God's wisdom through his word. Principally through the Bible. There are things that God has spoken about already that are applicable to your situation and my situation. What has God already said in his word? And the more we know God's word, the better we will know God's mind. Anyone agree? The more we understand God's word, we all understand God's mind. It's amazing that we can go through day to day and not have any desire to read God's word, to know God's, God's will on things. And yet, it is God's word that will bring peace into our lives, that will bring um, success into our lives as we go with his word. 
And the Bible tells us very quickly, very simply, that when we ask God, we will receive of Him. So when we ask in faith, believing, we will receive an answer for the things that we need to hear. We hear God in the place of waiting, in the place of prayer. As we seek God in prayer, we hear God's will. And we should be men of prayer for that reason. If we want to know the mind of God, we need to be men of prayer. I was thinking the other day, there are 168 hours in a week. My math is horrendous, but I think I got this one right. And if you spend 20 minutes a day in God's word and in prayer, 20 minutes a day, that's three, just over three hours a week. Three hours a week out of 168 hours. That's less than 3%. Even if you started there, and also about the realities, and there was a study that came out the other day that most Christians don't even spend 20 minutes a day in prayer. If we did that, we would know God's will. And we absolutely need to know God's will. So pray for guidance. The second thing, principle that I want to talk about is act with integrity. Act with integrity. Integrity is a sign of wisdom and maturity. Wisdom and maturity is not just about age, it's also about actions. When we lose integrity, when we, sorry, when we don't act with integrity, when our character is less than it should be, then we lose respect and we lose wisdom. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding amongst you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Do what is right, no matter what it costs. John Maxwell said this, that some people do what is right and then feel good about it afterwards. But a lot of people would rather feel comfortable first before they do what is right. Do I feel good about this? No, then I'm gonna do the wrong thing. I'm going to tell a lie about this. I'm going to defraud. I'm going to be deceptive because I don't feel like I should. I shouldn't. But he was saying that when you do what is right, even if it's not comfortable, even if it inconveniences you, then you are going to be blessed. Why? Because when you walk in integrity, you walk in character, God blesses. Because God realizes that you're doing this not because you feel comfortable, but because this is what God will want you to. We must be men who do what is right. You know, I was interviewing someone for a ministry job, uh, a ministry, uh, a job in ministry, and he had resigned as a pastor from another church. And we were just asking him, why did you resign? You know, that's a big word. Why did you resign from the church? Why, why did you leave the church? And he said, before I tell you why, let me tell you this, that the day I resigned, I went to my bishop and I said to him, I'm resigning, of course, but let me tell you two things you will never hear about me. You will never hear from a woman in this church that walks up to you and says, this guy touched me, or this guy abused me, or did something I was living with me. You will never hear that. You will never hear, the second thing is you will never hear that this guy took money or did something that was fraudulent with this church's money. You will never hear those two things. Now I can tell you why I resigned. Before he could move on, I just thought, wow, such confidence to be able to say something like that 
How many men, how many women have we seen nowadays, Christian, in church, you know, who can say something like that? And yet, God wants us to walk in wisdom. The integrity is crucial. They are siblings. And I know it's costly to do the right thing, but we read it before and said, whatever, whatever it costs you. And you know, out of pain and out of sacrifices, as men, we make a lot of sacrifices for our families, for our, for our, for our, for ministry, for those around us. But yet, none of that compares with what God will give us when we are acting with integrity in the life. Because God cares about character. It's not just about, you know, only ministry and the gifts. God cares about your character. Why? Because he's fitting us for the kingdom. You know, this is not just all there is. You know, God is not just asking us to live our lives today and, and enjoy what's going on. God is preparing you and I for eternity, for what's coming next. And so part of that preparation is what he does with us in our lives right now. So God wants us to live wisely by doing the right thing. Number three, put family first. Put family <laughs> first. The great tragedy of our day is that so many men and women put money, ministry, their jobs, their careers, all other things ahead of their family. You know, so many times people ask me, oh, Pastor Victor, um, what is first, second, and third? Is it God, family, ministry? Where, what's the order of things? And I say to them, my response is, this is a false premise. Your question is based on a false premise. For me, God is at the center of everything I do. My family is first in everything that I do. Ministry is in everything that I do. It's a false premise to tell me one, two, three, four. That doesn't work. God cares about our families. And it's not, you know, well, let's look at 1 Timothy 5. If you do not love and care for your family, especially your immediate family, then you are denying your faith in God. In scripture, this is worse than not believing in God at all. That is just how important family is. Your family is like a beautiful garden. And you know what happens with gardens, no matter how beautiful, when they're not tended, when they're not, and you don't cut the garden and you don't look after it. What happens? The weeds come in. It becomes wild. All the beauty is lost. That's how it is. Just how it, as it was in the Garden of Eden when God gave the man the responsibility and God talked to the man and said, what's gone wrong here? That's how God's going to hold you and I responsible for what happens with our family. And you can say to God, well, it was my wife, it was the children, but at the end of the day, saints, God will hold you and I responsible for what has gone on in our families. Family is really, really important. London has the highest proportion of absent fathers in families. Nearly 19% of children growing up in homes without a father in London. That means for every, for every five kids that you see out there, one of them has not a father at home. Do you see a correlation between that and the rising tide of gun violence or night violence? Yeah, where fathers are not there putting their way. Do you see the, the rise in mental illness in our young people, men and women, 
and not uh, sorry, young men and young women struggling with life because of the absent fathers. Since we have much work to do, our first responsibility is to our families. Money is not everything. All right, let's not work every hour of the day and to the detriment of our families. You know, you read about people like Bill Gates and Bezos and all of these guys who have built incredible <laughs> empires of money. What has happened to their families? Is it worth it? Would you put money <coughs> and the pursuit of money ahead of the family that God has given to you, the children that God has given to you, the wife that God has given to you if you have one? No. And not just our immediate family, but even our in-laws. It's important that we understand that the response, the relationship that we have with our in-laws is also important to God. It's not just the immediate family. I remember when I um, were in the early days of our marriage and Comfort and I were having so much issues. You know, and, and it was so difficult and I was just plowing along with ministry. But the issues were there and I was just sort of going on. And I remember once my dad came to visit us. And, um, and he called both of us together. And he said, okay, young man, sit there. And let me talk to you about what I've been hearing from your wife about you. And I was like, what? Oh, God. Did you discuss this with me before you talked to my dad? You know, all people. But you know what? I went out of there thinking, Father, thank you that this young woman went to my dad and spoke to him. Right? Because I tell you, it was an incredible, incredible transformation in my life, blessing in my life that she did that. But for her to do that meant that it was a relationship. That's the point I'm making. Yeah. yeah, she wouldn't be free to go and talk to my dad about serious issues were happening if there wasn't a relationship. And I'm saying that the relationships in our lives are all matter, family. They will come in, God will use them to bless us in different ways if we feel that they matter. When you read through Ephesians all the way four, five, six, you see how many times Paul speaks about family. The responsibility of fathers to their children, men to their women, submit to your wife, wives submit to your husband, fathers don't exasperate your children. Family matters. Let's put family first when we are making decisions. That's what's coming. Fourthly, get the facts. Get the facts. There is no contradiction since between facts and things. No contradiction. It is wise to find out all the facts before you make a decision. Proverbs 13, 13. Those who are prudent act with knowledge. Those who are prudent act with knowledge. You know, one day I, I came across a text in a family chat where my wife was telling one of the children, she said, she said do your research before you make the decision. Be like your dad. He does all his research before he makes a decision. I didn't even know that that was the case. But the reality is that people say, well, why not just act in faith before you, you, you know, don't go through all that effort to do your research and do your facts. Well, the Bible says this. What a shame. Yes. How stupid it is for you to decide before knowing the facts. You know, a while back, a young woman who was working in my team decided to leave. She said to me, you know, Victor, I love you and I love this job, um, but I've been made an offer I can't refuse. This big company is coming and the offer they're making me is just crazy. 
I pleaded with her and said, please don't go. I will give you, I can't give you everything that they're asking you, but I'll give you more than you have now, much more. I need you to stay. She's doing fantastically well. She goes, I tell you, I need that money. I need to go. I need that money. No problem. No problem. Here. It was painful. Within three weeks, she called me, can we have lunch? I said, why? She goes, that they just decided to make about a thousand people resort redundant. And I'm one of them. Because it's last in, first out, isn't it? And she goes, and I should have just researched this. I should have known. Because these plans were made a while back, but no one told me. Can I have my job back? I can't. I mean, I can't help you. I've already started the process of replacing you. And anyway, I can't tell the company now that you're going to come. It's going to be too difficult for you. Research before making a decision. The reasons a lot of businesses fail is because of uneducated enthusiasm. Right? Very excited. People get so excited. And by the time they've started within a month, the things collapse. They didn't do their research. It's really the reason why a lot of marriages fail. You know, young men and women think they're in love, and that's enough. Oh, she loves me. I love her. That's enough. And they plunge right into it. Only later to realize that actually, you know, maybe we should have gone a bit slow. The decision was based purely on feelings. What is the solution, my brothers? Brothers, the solution is for us to ask the question. What do I need to know before I make this decision? It's so important. What are the facts that I need to know? Doesn't mean you're not acting in faith, but you need to know that. Then you know what to do with those facts once you have a fact. Fifthly, ask for advice. This is an important one. Talk to somebody who already knows the situation. Ask people who know your strengths and your weaknesses. Ask for counsel. Proverbs 24, 6 says, if you go to war, you surely need guidance. If you want to win, you need many good advisors. Some translation says in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom, right? You know, you need good advice in any situation anyway, but especially if you're gonna make a monumental decision that's gonna affect a lot of people, that's gonna have significant consequences on your family, on your job, on your career, on ministry, you need advice. Don't just rush away and say, I know what I'm doing. Ask others, what do you think about this? That's why I said, if you're going to go to war and you're going to win, you need to ask questions. I work in a, in, I work in a, in a place where so many times I'm asked to advise the company about people who have made decisions uh, to, dis, to, to take the company to court. And some of the people, unfortunately, are people that I know very well. Right? People close to me, senior men, senior women, and they decide I'm going to take the company to call. And I say to myself, I've been working with you for all this time. If you just tell me about what was going on, I could have given you fantastic advice about how to deal with it, and you wouldn't even have to go through these two, three years of anguish. Since we have resources around us, brothers, sisters around us, there's no reason why we cannot ask for advice. When we fail to ask for advice, it's a sign of arrogance. There's ego going on there. I'm sufficient, self-sufficient. But it's not the case. You have to be able to say, you know, I need some help here. 
Obviously, we can look to the Bible for advice. Psalms 119, 105. Your word is like a lamp that shows me the way. It is like a light that guides me. Scripture is filled with stories of people who have done things, good and bad. People who have succeeded, people who have failed. That's what I love about the Bible. The stories in the Bible apply to all of us. So we can learn from them. For example, Jonah. Jonah knew that God had this plan for him. What does he do? He goes completely the opposite way. Right? That's a bad decision. But yet, Jonah did a lot of things that were right as well. We can learn from these people. It's wise for us to learn. I said to my children, it's wise for you to learn from experience, but it's better to learn from the experience of others, from their successes, from their failures. Because how painful is it for you to wait until you've experienced it before you learn? That's very painful. I'd rather learn by watching others. What have they done well? What have they done wrongly? And then pick up from that. That's wisdom. And that's how we can learn and be successful. So that's fifth. Six, calculate the cost. Every decision has a price tag. Every decision costs something. Whether it's time or it's money or it's reputation or it's resources, there is an investment to be made with every decision that you take, every step you take. Proverbs 20, 25 says, it's a trap to decide without, deliver, without delivering, to commit without first considering the cost. So many times people put pressure on you, on me, to make decisions. It's okay to say, do you know what, I will get back to you on this. My brothers, before someone calls, causes you to make a decision that is catastrophic for your family, or decisions that you're not sure about, that would make an impact on your budget. You know, before you make that decision that you're going to sponsor that, your, ne your brother, your nephew, your cousin, yeah? you're going to put them through university. Consider the impact on your budget, on your family. Can you still, is, can you still handle the mortgage? Can you still handle the bills? Don't allow that decision to affect your children, to affect your wife, to affect the family because you didn't calculate the cost. You've come under a lot of pressure. It's more important to make the right decision than to make a quick one, all right? The right decision has to be an informed decision. I love this from Rick Warren. He said this, there's a law of life that it's easier to get in than to get out. That's just the law of life. It's, a, it's easier to get in than to get out. Is it easier to get into a relationship than to get out of it? Right? Is it, it, is, it, is it easier for you to make a promise than to deliver it? Right? So is it, is it, is it easier for you to um, get into debt, for example, than to get out of debt? It is easier to get in than to get out. So before you get into it, calculate the cost. Jesus said this, is there anyone here who planning to build a new house doesn't first sit down and figure out the cost so you'll know if you can complete it. If you only get the foundation laid and then run out of money, you're going to look pretty foolish. <coughs> Everyone passing by will poke fun. He started something. 
Let that never be said about any of us in Jesus. Every decision has a price tag. So ask, is it worth it? Is this worth it? So who's putting pressure on you right now? Can you afford it? What are the consequences if you take that decision on your budget, on your finances, on your family, on ministry, whatever? Is it going to destroy you? Is it going to build you up? Don't make that decision. Let's have some serious, clear answers to those questions before we take that step. It will give us, it will do us a lot of good. Next, prepare for problems. All right? You may remember Murphy's Law. If anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. Okay? Problems are a part of life. I'm not prophesying away your life or anything like that. I'm just saying the fact, right? Jesus said, in the world, you will have problems. Do you know that tribulations mean problems? I don't know what people think tribulations mean. It actually means problems, difficulties. In life, that's guaranteed, right? That there will be problems, there will be challenges. There is no amount of prayer and fasting that will cause God to change that, okay? You can pray on the 40 days on the mountain, the mountain in Jerusalem and pray 40 days. That is the reality. God's not going to change his plan for life because of that. The Bible says a prudent man prepares for difficulties ahead. He prepares for them. In the process of preparation, we expect the best, but we prepare for the worst. Right? We expect God to lead us as we pray for wisdom, but we understand that God will allow issues. How many of you have been there where God has asked you to do something and you start doing it and the whole world seems to be caving in? <laughs> but you've chosen to do God's will. You've chosen to go in that direction because God is speaking to you. And yet, everything that could go wrong begins to go wrong. I'll be there. Okay. Does it mean God is not in there? Of course he is. But he will not allow There is a reason why. Right? Because God knows better. Right? He allows those issues. He knows, he allows the challenges. He allows the things in our lives. For he, he knows why. There's so many reasons. And I don't have all the answers. But I just know that he allows them. And I have to understand that. And I have to prepare for them. I remember um, God uh, reading when uh, the, the Bible says that God, there was, God led the children of Israel. Right? Instead of uh, leading them by the fastest way possible to get to where they need to go. He led them a complete roundabout way. But he did that. Why? Because the Bible tells us that he did that because he knew that the fastest way to get to the land of promise contained a lot of armies, giants. And if they saw those giants and they met them, they would say, you know what? Um, uh, yeah, it's fantastic, this idea. But, um, you know, what am I going to find is I'm going back to Egypt. And so he didn't want that. But they didn't know that. They didn't know that. They, they know he, he led us around into, into this wilderness to, to yeah, cause us to die. Even after he'd given them food. Even after he'd given them, they still felt that he was going to leave them to die. That's human. The point is that we never know what God knows. And so we have to understand that there will be problems when he allows them for his own reason. Proverbs 27, 12. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes on blindly and suffers the consequences. A wise person knows that there are problems with every decision. Now, let's not confuse decision-making with problem-solving. 
They're two different things. Right. What we're talking about here is, is not that you have to solve all the problems before you make a decision. That's procrastination. That's never going to work. You're never going to make any decision if you want to solve all the issues and get all the answers before you start. How come they now get out and say, <clears throat> okay, so, um, so my brother, it looks like there is something else coming from Moshe when I come to Congress. So, when President Kennedy announced in 1961 that they would land a man on the moon, right? The technology to do that had never been invented. They didn't even know how they were going to do it. But yet, they made that decision on a calculated risk. And as soon as they took that step, they started to work on what is needed to make that happen. The point I'm making is that we don't have to solve all the problems before we start. We can move in faith. Because if we know all the answers and we've solved all the problems, what's the point of faith? There's no reason to, be, to, 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 to hold on to God, to depend on Him. We can make that step. I remember in 2020, when the church, uh, we decided that we were going to go out and during the height of the pandemic, to go out onto the streets and give out in Boston and to again to give out clothes and food to those who are out there who needed it because everything was just going wrong, right? This is the height of the pandemic when everyone was being told, stay away from everybody. There was a lot of challenges. There was a lot of things. They didn't know where we were going to get the supplies from. Didn't know what was going to happen out there. Were you even going to be stopped by the police and said, you shouldn't be doing this. But we took that step of faith and it went on from strength to strength. There were issues, but God resolved those issues, but we have to make that step first. So that's the key thing. Perfectionism is the enemy of progress. Let's not, let's not be perfectionists, okay? I read a book the other day and it was talking about um, and it was talking about how in business, a lot of businesses fail because the CEO has insisted on everything being perfect. Everything has to be, at the, you know, they set out the standards or the targets at the beginning of the year. It has to exactly meet this, otherwise we're not doing anything. And they fail. And he said, and this, the guy who writes the book was a guy who's run a lot of businesses. And he says, his, his thing is, yes, let's set out the targets. Let's set out what we want to achieve. But as long as we are getting there, we're okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be just around where we need to be. That's enough. And that, I think, is a good, sensible way to proceed. So that as God moves us, we, we go. And then finally, be a soul winner. I'd say that, in other words, prioritize the kingdom. All right? In making wise prioritize the kingdom, so many of our decisions has nothing to do with God, with the expansion of the kingdom of God. It's all about me, I, and myself, and my family. It's like the governments of Nigeria and Africa. It's all about me, I. There's nothing in the program, in their minds, in their vision, in, as they look into the future, in terms of all the things that they want to do with their lives and their governments, there is nothing to do with the rank and file, as they say, the ordinary men and women, because it's all about themselves. And but sometimes in our own personal lives, it can be like that. The Bible tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. God expects 
us to prioritize his kingdom in our decisions about what to do with your money this month. Yeah, yes, I said your money. Yeah, what to do with it? God wants you to prioritize which part of it is dedicated to the expansion of the kingdom of God. And I'm not talking about oh, I have to give the church tax. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making a, an intentional decision that I am going to make sure that my resources, my time, whatever it is that I have, their kingdom matters, kingdom priorities. He that wins a soul is wise, right? Wisdom is making sure that your life counts for God, right? The Bible tells us that God doesn't want us to live our lives for ourselves, but he wants us to live our lives for him, for his kingdom, for his glory. You know, living our lives for God's kingdom can start with little things. It doesn't have to be big Little things. Jesus told a story about the last days, and he said that the guys who were in front of him, he said, he said to them that you can come into my father's bosom, into my father's chambers, because when I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was, uh, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I needed clothing, you gave me clothing. And these people who were close to Jesus, who loved him, who have done all these things, said, Master, where, where did we even see you? To do all of these things. And he said, well, you've done it for each one of these people. You've done it for me. In the little things of life, in the little times, the opportunities that God has given to us as men, are we sowing seeds for the kingdom? And that's the question I want to ask us. Uh, that's the question I ask myself. Am I laying up treasures in heaven? Because since we are travelers here on earth, we are, this is transient. There is all of eternity to come. Yet we live our lives as if this is all that matters. No, there is so much more to come. And God is calling us to build our lives and build up treasures for eternity. So when I'm making decisions about today, unlike a non-Christian who doesn't have a clue about eternity, you and I know about eternity. And we say, no, let my life count for eternity. Let what I do today, this week, let, what, let, me, let's, let something of me count for your kingdom this week. And that's, that's the way of going about it. When you do that, God sees that you're thinking about his kingdom. God comes and blesses you. Yeah? Because give and it shall be given to you. That's the principle. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together. Will God give you? So there is no way that God will be in your debt. It's impossible. Whatever you give to God's kingdom will come back to you a million times. And many of us here know the testimony. So let's build our lives for God. Remember, only what is done for God will last. So be a man of wisdom. That's what we've been called to be. A person of wisdom, making wise decisions. How do we make wise decisions? We pray for guidance, we act, we interpret it, we put family first, we get the facts before we make these decisions. We ask for advice when we need it. We calculate the cost before we step forward. We prepare because there will be issues. How are we going to deal with that one? But most importantly, we prioritize the kingdom of God because he has the owns everything. And there's nothing you can do to make us when we put him first in our lives.
Now we encourage you, brothers. God has given you and I power. He has given us all that we need to succeed for our families to flourish. He's given us all we need for our lives to be a testimony to his power, to his glory. He's given us everything we need. We just need to step out there. Believe in God. He is with you, my brothers. He is with you. He's with you. In fact, he's, he's, the Bible says he's closer to us than hands, hands, and feet. God is close to us. And what he wants to do is to empower us and equip us to achieve these dreams, his dreams, his call, his promises, all the plans that he has for your life, for the lives of those around you, those he has given to you, those in the church, those around where you come into contact with them. God has given, God has a plan for them. And that plan involves you. And as we do go in wisdom, we carry out these things that God is sharing with us today. I believe our families will be blessed. Amen. I believe that our families will be blessed. They will be established. They will inherit the earth. They will inherit the riches of the Gentiles because of us, because of God, because of His power in our lives. The church will be blessed as we walk in power, we walk in wisdom. The, the, the cities around us, the communities around us will be blessed because we are men of wisdom. Let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We give you glory, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Why don't we just thank God for what He has given to us? Thank God that you have Christ and with Him you have the wisdom of God. You already have it. It's not something you, you know, you already have Christ, that means you have the wisdom. And when we have the wisdom of God, perfection of God in our lives, there is nothing that's behind us. I am thankful to God that there is nothing that is impossible for me to achieve, not in my power, but in God. Hallelujah. God has empowered you. Thank Him today that He has empowered you. You're a man of God. You're a man of wisdom. You're a man of power. You're a man of authority. You're one whose God's favor is upon your life. And because God's favor is upon you, He's upon your children. His favor is upon your wife, on your family. In fact, His favor goes beyond you and your immediate family to those that are connected to you because you're a man of God. Father, I thank you that those who are connected to us will prosper because of us, because of your presence in our lives. Thank you today that we have no fear. My brother, my sister, God spoke to me this morning as I was praying about fear, about anxieties. My prayer for you is that God will destroy and eradicate every fear. Every fear, whether it's a fear about finance, whether fear about your marriage, fear about your children, fear about your ministry, fear about your career, every fear in your life today, and coming against it in the mighty name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, fear must go and disappear from our lives, and God will replace every spirit of fear with a spirit of boldness. We call for an exchange. For a replacement now in the name of Jesus, boldness and courage and move in faith, in power, in authority, in wisdom, 
as God causes us to move. We will step out of that and we will accomplish great things for God. In the name of Jesus, we come against every scheme, every plan, every 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 kind of proposal, anything that has been hashed anywhere against the, the, the people of God, against the men of God, against his purposes in our lives, in our in our families, in our jobs, in our careers. They will not succeed. They will not succeed. They will fly. They will flee in the settlements because of God's because of his power in our hearts. We make Hallelujah. We will make it. We will succeed. Our children will succeed. Yes. Our families will succeed. Yes. Hallelujah. God's words will succeed. Okay. Not because of man, not by mind, but by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And we praise him. We give him glory in the name of Jesus. You know, I don't feel that we should pray with men, and I'm going to pray for that, our leaders here. I just feel that we should just uh, pray with men and people. You know, God spoke to me about people that are regretting decisions that have, that have been made, that have been costly, that have led them in a different way that they would have liked to go. And, and, and they, you know, it keeps coming back. The enemy is too, he's so cruel like that. He's such a he's he's such a, an abuser like that. Mm. He will abuse our thoughts, and he will say, "Yeah, you're here today because of that. You're here today, and this is happening because of that." It's not true. He's a liar, a deceiver, and we're not going to accept the deceit, deceptions of the enemy. We're going to reject every lie of the enemy. Whatever is happening now is happening because God has allowed. Yes. And you know, with Joseph, you know what happened to him. Sold into slavery. Yeah? His life was finished. And people said, yeah, because he went and told dreams, because of the... No, God was doing something in his life since. God was moving him from, from stage to stage. Right from where he was, God wanted him in a palace. But there was a process. And God is taking us through a process. And there is no lie of the enemy that will stop that process. And we believe it in Jesus. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching. You just listened to Pastor Victor Jibuke of the Apostolic Church All Nation Centre in Kennington, London. Our address is 13 Tyres Terrace, Lambeth, London, SE11 5LZ. Call us on 020-7820-9917. Find us on the web at www.apostolic-anc.org. The All Nation Centre, reaching out into the community in practical and caring ways.